What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy Marty Ben on a very overcast Thursday afternoon here in the studio for another edition of Rabbit Hole Recap. What's going on, Matt? I'm I'm really excited for today's episode, guys. Yeah, we just spent like 45 minutes going over the docket. We basically just had an episode. I don't know. Okay, but anyway, it's going to be great. Yeah, before we jump into everything, uh, we're going to shout out our sponsor first, Unchained Capital. You freaks know all about them. They recently released their two of three multi-sig vaults uh, growing on their product suite, which started with a collateralized loan product. Uh we had Parker Lewis on a couple weeks ago on the podcast, so if you haven't checked that out, go check it out. And then go check out Unchained's vault at www.unchained-capital.com slash vaults. That's www.unchained-capital.com slash vaults. Don't forget that, Dash Freaks. And we'll put a, we'll put a special ref link in the notes as well. Uh, before we jump into the topics, the Bitcoin price, according to the trade block, XBX index is... $5,277.66. I believe a little bit higher than where we were last week. It's basically moon. Moon. What block are we at? Uh, we're at 572.197. It's a lot of blocks. A lot of blocks. A lot of blocks. We uh 630,000. How, how many blocks away from that are we? About 89,000? 88-something? To, what is it? What's the block height again? 630,000. Wow, way off. Way like off 58, on that. Yeah, 58 I was just way off on that math. 58,000 blocks. Yeah, 58,000. I was off by. To having. Yeah. I added 40,000 there by accident. Um, that's, what you tr- that's what happens when you try to do mental math. We're, we're great at math here at the Rabbit Hole Recap. Um, yeah. Speaking of math, got a lot to talk about. First topic of the week has to do with cryptography. Uh, Satoshi's treasure uh, was dropped this week. Uh, Not his treasure, his treasure. His, his treasure. No, but it kind of sounds like you, he he dropped his treasure, his like hardware wallet, and yeah, he so lost Satoshi it. Satoshi left before treasure ever became a thing, I believe. But treasure, like a pirate treasure, there's a there's an international treasure hunt for a uh, million dollars worth of Bitcoin. Have we confirmed the Bitcoin amount? Is it around 200 Bitcoin? I think it's going to be around... 20 billion satoshis 20 billion satoshis which is which is 200 bitcoin yeah um um but they the address is hasn't been shown yet they're gonna that address is gonna be one of the clues like the way they disclose the address is an upcoming clue yes for you freaks have not heard who have not heard yet uh there's again an international treasure hunt for around 200 bitcoin it's ready uh, player one yeah it's basically ready player one in real life here with, uh, with bitcoin in 2019 with bitcoin so the deal is there are 400 shards of a private key uh that will be dis- that will uh, no, a pe- thousand no it's they fo- split into a thousand but you only need 400 yeah okay so there's a thousand shard are you sure i'm i'm 99 sure okay yeah so well uh thousand shards you need 400 to put together uh, a private key which gives you access to this bitcoin uh, and then you don't need any permission or anything then from that point you just send it whoever gets it gets it gets it f- yeah so there's like all these crazy game theory things that go on at the end there when you like get when you get close to 400 so yeah so let's jump in let's jump into that so it's crazy so three keys or there's only been three disclosed right now three shards i think so yeah unless we're behind the game yeah let's air high five we have all three shards there you go uh, bang bang 
So yeah, it was released earlier this week. Uh, Eric Melser and I believe he's behind this. Unknown. Unknown. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's really cool. So the first three shards were found, and somebody was able to read the uh, the HTML CSS file via uh, checking the index. John Cantrell. Yeah. yeah John Cantrell of of uh the website and was able to sort of brute force the third key yeah he the he brute forced the second two the second two keys yeah because it was local all the code was local but and this, they were just short words but yeah and this but this was sort of intentional it seems right to, uh to yeah eric was eric Meltzer was on uh, the citizen bitcoin podcast and at least he pitched it as as it was part of the not all the clues are going to be set up this way where you go to the website and and you enter a password and then part of part of the whole thing was he was wondering if if people were going to uh figure that out it. Yeah, yeah figure it out and so they're trying to discern the the mental acuity of of the treasure hunters and and make the game harder uh as it goes on depending on on, on that on how good the treasure hunters well, are so the crazy thing here is um he kind of it seems like he envisions it as a reoccurring type thing like he wants like this is it seems like this hunt will they expect it to take like they they refuse to say but it seems from context that they expect it to take like a year maybe two years max and then they'll have another one and another one and another one and they'll at the same time they'll have all these little hunts that will be for smaller prizes so it's not like everyone, you know, has to, has to go for the the big prize. Yeah, and there's like crazy secondary markets that can be built on top of this game as well. Yeah, like, they're gonna have like an app, and they're gonna allow you to sell keys between people and stuff like that. And they'll they'll have a leaderboard. It's very very ready uh, ready player one esque, where there's gonna be a leaderboard of teams. We have a team out there, the DPR Avengers, uh, and we plan on giving if we. If we find when the treasure. we win, when we win, when we get the treasure, we're going to give 10 percent to free Ross to free Ross. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we are accepting uh, applications for team members. We're looking for wizards, people that are uh, smarter with cryptography than us and uh, are geogra- geographically dispersed as well. It's important to have people in different parts of the world for this treasure hunt. It's so ridiculous that this is like a thing. <laughs> right. This was. Yeah. Awesome. I'm I'm very excited. Yeah, so it was cool. Um, yeah, so they they had people walking around in different parts of the country or hot, hid different QR codes in different parts of the country. They were the looking first key. in different parts of the world. In the world, right? yes, yeah. So there was one here in New York in Times Square. There was one in Boston by MIT. One in San Francisco, I believe. So those were like all the same key, right? Yes. And then they had another batch of keys that was in Asia, and then I think they had a batch that was in South America. Is this how Bitcoin goes viral? Can you see this catching on, like in the mainstream? I think so, I think so, right? Like you don't have to be a Bitcoiner to be excited about finding, you know, a million dollars worth of cash, right? And like you can't do this. You can never do this with any. You couldn't do it with fiat. If they want to do it with fiat, it'd be ridiculous. Imagine trying to coordinate like all the payment providers in all the different countries and stuff. Be ridiculous. Yeah, Bitcoin. We've always talked about. 
Bitcoin and AR, like sort of geocaching and, and dropping QR codes, like in parts of the world, and, and doing like a physical treasure hunt like that, which will probably come in the future. But you don't even need the AR aspect of it. You can it can be completely cerebral and, and a puzzle, math based. And, and I mean, some of the clues might be AR based. You don't. We don't. Even we don't know, even know. Right? Maybe they are. Like they do have an app in the works. So there's. There's a bunch of different possibilities here. It should be interesting to watch it play out. Now, and if you're a Bitcoiner, has ever seen Ready Player One? While you were watching that movie, if you were watching that and didn't think Bitcoin enables this, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like ridiculous that Bitcoin wasn't included in the in the book to begin with. Was it written after Bitcoin was created? I think so. Right? Isn't it like a relatively recent book? I'm not positive. I know I'm that. like pretty sure it's a relatively recent book. <laughs> All I know is. I like a lot. I like reading a lot of new sci-fi, and I almost Bitcoin has kind of ruined a lot of it for me because if they don't incorporate Bitcoin into it, it's just like I, <laughs> it's unrealistic. Do you watch Mr. Robot? Yeah, yeah, and just, you know Bitcoin's incorporated, so it makes more sense to me. Yeah, I've never, uh, I've never watched Mr. Robot, but told I should. It was like I was thinking you should definitely watch Mr. Robot. And especially as like a Bitcoiner, it's a really good. You can like pretend it's like fake studying, you know, what it possibly <laughs> could could go down. Um, I was thinking like uh, with like our WikiLeaks conversation last week and uh, Julian Assange, uh, that was one of the light bulbs for me with WikiLeaks, how powerful it was that I you would watch like action movies and drama movies and half the movie would be like irrelevant because the plot would be, you know, they find something that they have to tell the world and they're trying to tell the world, but all the bad guys are stopping them. They, all they had to do is just drop it to WikiLeaks. You know, <laughs> it just completely destroyed the plot. The Bourne series completely destroyed. Yeah, you just, why don't you just upload it to WikiLeaks? <laughs> uh, yeah, there, not much uh, not much new news on that front, right? I think he's still in the process of being extradited, still yeah. in London. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um. Yeah, so Toshi Treasure, DPR Avengers. We're looking for teammates. We'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, if she can help us out, we're uh, we're gonna go hunting. I mean, I think yeah, everyone should be going going hunting for this thing. This should be fun. And and if there's a lot of traction and a lot of activity with it, then you know there'll be a lot more of them. I I imagine. Yeah, and the uh, another thing to think of the prize is uh, one million dollars uh, right now, but depending on where the price of Bitcoin. Yeah, it'll be locked in Bitcoin amount once, at least we'll know for sure once we see the address. Yeah, when I think we should lock that down sooner rather than later. What, the amount? Yes. Yeah, I, 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 I'm I, 99% sure it's pre-funded. It's already funded, but I, you know, I haven't seen anything for myself, so. Imagine the fervor around this hunt if it's like it's three years from It's like the middle of a bull market. Now. I was thinking like, just if it, if we if things got a little bit crazy in December, and that's when it kind of happens, that could be uh, that'd be pretty crazy. Just like if we were in like a similar bull, bullish kind of situation as twenty seventeen, while this prize was while, while people had like three hundred keys or like three hundred fifty keys. I can see a whole cottage industry being birthed out of this game. That's all I'm gonna say. Next topic. Uh, oh, one more thing. One more thing. They ask for when you if you go to the website, I think it's Satoshi Treasure dot X, Y, Z. 
Yes. They they can send you notifications like of new clues and stuff. And there's an email and a phone option. That phone option is optional. You don't have to fill that in. You do not. You, you do not. If you don't want to give Meltzer and crew your your phone number. Yeah. Or if you have a burner that you want to use for the treasure. Yeah, you know, you can use a burner email. Yeah. Um yeah, so definitely duly noted that 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 phone is optional. That was not clear, but uh, they now now that's I think they put optional on it, okay. but still it's worth mentioning. Um so the price pump the earlier in the month, uh April first and second, people ran with that story. Uh the hours and days after that twenty percent jump overnight from April first to second. Uh this week trade block and coin metrics have come out and sort of disputed the popular uh narratives that were going around and basically proved that Bitfinex was the one who led the charge. Yeah, and I guess Coinmetrics also said, like, hit BTC. Yeah, and hit BTC. Um, so there was, uh, I believe, right after the pump, people were saying it was three exchanges, Coinbase, Bitstamp, and Kraken. Kraken, yeah. Kraken, maybe. Um, and it turns out... I it, think so. It wasn't, so... Well, that, we talked about on the pod, I think, like, they, the, the Reuters article... Oh, that's what we were talking about, how to pronounce it. Reuters. Reuters, The yeah. Reuters article... Uh, you know, it was based on some random dude in fucking England who was like, one guy did it. <laughs> so there you go. And no one really knows anyway. You're just looking at the volume numbers on the charts. Yeah, no one knows. I mean, I I guess the the main crux is Bitcoins were actually bought, like the price. Oh, yeah. A lot of Bitcoins are bought. Yeah. A lot of Bitcoins are sold. And right now, a lot of Bitcoins are being bought and a lot of Bitcoins are being sold. Yeah. It's like people get into this thing in their head where, oh, like we're in a bear market. Everyone is selling. No, like literally there's another person buying on the opposite side. It's a weird mental block thing to get around. Yeah, if somebody's buying, somebody's got to be selling on the other yeah. end. Otherwise, we'd be at zero. Um, no, but it's like, how is that not obvious right after the fact? Like, how did it take us like a few weeks of jumping into it? Like, how how is it like not obvious on trade block? Like, hey. I mean, I think it probably was obvious. I guess this is more of a question into how could the news get so... Uh, well, because all all Reuters has to do is just publish an article with a one-line quote from some dude, you know, in in London, and that's their amount of due diligence and work. And, and TradeBlock and CoinMetrics, like, sat down with the data and, like, made some reasonable conclusions based off of all the data they have, but they still, even both of them, like they never made it concrete, but you know, Reuters just runs it on the headline. Bitcoin pumps because of a hundred million dollar trader. <laughs> I saw uh, Murad was coming at trade block for their, their choice of uh, chart. They colors. changed their color. <laughs> yeah. Cause their colors were like all blue. So it was hard to, uh, yeah, it was, it was a hard, Hard uh, chart a, to discern. It was a pretty funny tweet by Murad. <laughs> um, ooh, this has been hot this week. I talked about it on the bench. You tweeted about it. 2019 seems to be the year of privacy in Bitcoin. Uh, this week, in particular, I'm going to say it. Uh, Pierre uh, pushed, uh, or I don't know if he pushed it yet, but he plans on the next major release of the node launcher to make it a uh, default to Tor. So, uh, anybody running Pierre's node launcher will have a uh, sort of inherent privacy with their uh, at the network level and the messaging level. And then uh, on top of that, Trezor came out and said they're working 
Um, well, wasabi, and, you know, wasabi. Wasabi and Trezor are working together, yeah. and well, Wasabi and a bunch of hardware wallets are working together to make it so that you can use Wasabi with your hardware wallet um, and, and make it easier to, to mix your UTXs. Yeah, so my understanding is they used the same integration that Bitcoin Core recently put in. Yeah, so they will put the GitHub page in the notes, and so far it's compatible or the the test they've run with two hardware wallets, the Treasure Model T and the Cold Card uh, on Windows OS X and Linux have passed their test. They plan on testing uh, Digital Bitbox, Keep Key, Ledger Nano S, and Treasure One uh, and running those through the gauntlet soon. Um, so it looks like Wasabi will be compatible with hardware wallets in the near future. Yeah, so this is fucking huge news. It's a really, really big deal. Explain the gravity of this to us. So... Before, when you needed to use your hardware wallet and you wanted to use it, most people used the the Trezor UI on the web the web browser and the Ledger UI on the the Ledger Live app that runs on your computer. Or now, even with the with the new Ledger, they have the app on the phone because it's got the Bluetooth. Um, Basically, when you did that, you were leaking all of your transaction data is going to Ledger or going to Trezor. You're going to their servers. So you're just telling them all of your addresses, all your balances, everything. You know, hopefully they're not storing that information and sharing it, but um, you have to trust them. So the alternative has been to run Electrum Personal Server with your full node and then connect through Electrum to your Electrum Personal Server and use because Electrum supports hardware wallets. Because if you use regular Electrum, then you're connecting to a random server, and that random server could be logging all your shit. So this finally gives hardware wallet owners a, like a turnkey privacy-focused alternative to all that. Because Electrum Personal Server, by the way, that HODL guide has how to set up Electrum Personal Server if you want to do that. But it's, it's a more complicated setup. With Wasabi, you just download it. You can... You can use it on any of the platforms. It's got a nice, nice GUI. Automatically connects through Tor for you. Um, and then if you run a full node on your computer, it automatically pulls blocks from your full node. Or it can work in light node mode if you, you know, if you don't, if if you don't want to run your own full node. So it gives you like the most private way of interacting with the hardware wallet, and it's like super user friendly. Right. Fucking crazy! I love how was Wasabi has made like UTXO sl- selection so straightforward. And how has this not existed yet? Yeah, the only ones who came close was like Electrum, mm-hmm. but the labeling system in Wasabi is just—it's s- incredible. So much easier to use. It's uh, hey, no par. Adam done a great job UX wise, and UTXO selection is something huge and something that should be at the forefront of these wallets, in my opinion. So it's great to see. Now, with hardware wallets, you'll be able to, one, use Wasabi, and then I guess just an added benefit is their, their natural UTXO selection. So well. so my understanding, I haven't tried it uh, with a hardware wallet yet. Um, my understanding is, so I'm, I might be wrong here, but my understanding here is that there's a, you still have the traditional Wasabi hot wallet, for your coin joins because they need to be constantly 
uh, signing those transactions, including them in, in coin joint transactions. Um, and then you also can interact with your hardware wallet through it. So you can you basically like still are like transferring in and out of Wasabi. So it's like a new um, Trezor bridge, but via Wasabi or something like that almost. Yeah, I mean, like you can interact with your hardware wallet in, through Wasabi, and you can interact with your CoinJoin wallet through Wasabi, and and if you want to move funds between the two, then obviously you can do that at the same time. Yeah, it's, but it's pretty, pretty badass. Pretty badass, and it's a really big deal. And I think uh, Ragnar tweeted out today, like a lot of people were saying, 2019 was going to be the year of lightning, but it does look like shaping up to be the year of very good hardware and, and privacy uh, improvements um, as lightning infrastructure gets built out. I think it's, I mean, it, it makes it ridiculously easy to use use your hard. I think one of the reasons so few people run full nodes is because you can't easily just use your hardware wallet with a full node. And uh, that changes now with, with this with this new Wasabi update that that changes. And that's that's really cool by itself. And let alone all the knock on effects that it's going to do with more people to using coin joins because they they can use their hardware wallet right in the app. Yeah. Making it easier will certainly certainly incentivizes. And this is something I've been thinking about a lot. Uh, this week I've been wanting to write something in the bent, but just haven't felt comfortable. Like does, and this is something I, I'm very interested to get your perspective on. Like do these improvements, is it inherently improving Bitcoin's privacy or is it just better use? Like Bitcoin's not inherently more private. It's just being used better. Or is the fact that uh, a bunch of people are mixing UTXOs make it inherently more private. You get what I'm getting at there? Like Bitcoin hasn't changed. Yes, exactly. Um, I think it makes using the Bitcoin network for everyone more private, mm -hmm. right? Because when you start doing widespread coin joins, it just, it just helps everyone. Yeah. Uh, but does it make Bitcoin any more private? Could you say, yeah, is there like a thresh? Yeah, exactly. That's what I said. Like a semantics argument I've been having in my head. It's there. That argument is there, I think. Yeah. Is there a threshold of mixed UTXOs that would make Bitcoin more private? I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. Well, the big thing is like if you mix in these uh, techniques that like Samurai is working on and stuff where it basically every transaction looks like a coin join, even if it's not a coin join, then you get some really interesting things when you have, you know, masses doing coin joins. And then the other thing is... But if they ever tried to do some kind of like blacklist on coin joins, it, it's way harder to enforce the more transactions that have gone through it, right? Like, what are they gonna like? Are, if if you start banning, because they can't just ban direct coin joins into exchanges. It would it would be like a couple hops. So then, how many hops? You know, and so if if everyone's using CoinJoin and the vast majority of of Bitcoin users are using CoinJoin on the regular, then any kind of any kind of blacklist on CoinJoin histories becomes basically the equivalent of like banning Bitcoin self ownership in the first place, like self custody in the first place. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying. Yeah. Is there what is the threshold at which 
the exchanges and the on-ramps who would have the ability to block these transactions? When do they throw their arms up and say, hey, there's nothing we can do about it? Well, I think either way, it's like probably unenforceable because someone will accept them, you know? So, yeah. And it just becomes like un unrealistic to have to check the full history of like any particular UTXO. Like that's ridiculous and and uh, onerous on the on the receiving party. So in a lot of ways, I think exchanges should welcome coins that have gone through CoinJoin because for them, you know what they don't know can't hurt them. They you know they'd prefer to not know. It's like a bodega owner getting a $5 bill. Exactly. They, it reduces liability. I think part of the reason people even talk about taint and all this stuff is is because the capability is there. That's what makes people think of it in the first place. Like if you didn't have that capability, then it'd be way less of a discussion. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to watch this uh, play out and hopefully – uh the this wasabi hardware wallet integration will will incite more more coin joins and and uh increase the uh, anonymity set yeah like run your own node and then connect wasabi to your own node if it runs on your computer you know you can use you can use peers you know you want to really be a power user you use peers power node launcher which is going to default to tor you run it on your computer, it automatically runs in prune mode So if it needs to, so it won't take up too much space. I think what it's like takes up like less than 20 gigs. And then you install Wasabi, and Wasabi automatically connects to that that Bitcoin node. And then if you, if you run CoinJoin transactions, not only do you help yourself, because if you got those coins through like a KYC-type exchange, then you can delink them from your identity, so you can help yourself going forward. But you help all Bitcoiners by improving the liquidity of of coin joins. So uh, join us. Where are we? Join us. Where are we uh, on the Wasabi anonymity set? Or how many Bitcoins have been run through it? Well, last time I checked, they had 26,000 on the... And last time I checked, they had collected about 16 Bitcoin worth of fees. It's like uh, it's kind of cool they keep the fee address is is a static address so you can see that's how you kind of measure usage, but you have to remember that it, that could be gamed. You could have like forty computers all running coin joins from the same person. It's true. Uh, that's why the more the merrier. Yeah, more the merrier, and that wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me at all if that's going on. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's how you would try and attack it. If you were going to try and attack it, you would. You know, if there's 70 participants in a coin join, you try and be as many of those participants as possible. It gets really impractical the more people use it. So, yeah. So let's when get, in doubt, mix. So let's get these uh, these hardware wallets tested out with Wasabi, implemented, and start and start coin joining people. I really well, the Treasure T already works, and I think that is like and the cold card the best. the The Treasure T is like the best entry level hardware wallet like that i that's the one i recommend like wholeheartedly and then cold cards like great for power users yeah so those are like two huge ones that's awesome um speaking of awesomeness lnd 0 0.60 uh the latest big release of uh lnd was released this week and it comes with st static channel backups which i called out last week i knew it was going to include them you weren't certain you know i got to go back to the tape Error on the side of caution. Um, 
you have the re- release notes there, highly encouraging that people upgrade if you are running L and D nodes. And this is yeah, we're upgraded. Yeah, we're upgraded on our our nodes. So if you want an open channel, Noddle made it super easy. How, just, how so? There was just he pushed the update, and then there was an update button, and you you press the update button, then you wait for it to update, then you just stopped the L and D service, then you updated that, and then you started it. It was like three button clicks, super intuitive. Yeah, well. Shout out to the Noddle team for being on top of that. It's pretty badass. And they got uh, it out really quick. And yeah, so we're we're fully upgraded now. Uh, this channel back up. It's an interesting sort of way to to back up everything. It basically makes it so that uh, you're able to get messages out to your peers, your channel peers, and politely ask them to close so that your funds get back to the on-chain address. Right. They've forced they've forced close the channels, and it goes back to the address. Yeah. And this is incited via message that you send. Um, to your channel peers. Uh, so what does this mean? What uh, does this give you a sense of? You know, it's a step in the right direction. You know, you don't. You probably won't lose everything if something like catastrophic happens. Yeah. Uh, it's still not ideal because you don't have your channels up anymore. You know, you have to, and you have to pay all those transaction fees to close all the channels. Uh, so ideally, you'd never have to use it, but it's a nice. It's it's good to have a like a like a fallback. This is actually a good caveat into a subject that was not on the docket, but I saw you uh, and Nick Batia, who's going to be in town next week on the podcast, talking about our uh, our NAR on our on our, our routing node, which is a uh, what is it the uh, node accrual rate? Is that it? Yeah, the node accrual or yeah, node accrual rate. Node accrual rate and sparked the basically trying to discern uh, the amount of interest earned via routing lightning network payments. This is what Nick Batia is trying to, to sort of develop uh, ideas around and a process around. And the concept is you can uh, sort of discern a percentage gained uh, from your node because of routing transactions and fees that you accrue. But you brought up a good point that our node is probably net negative because of the the cost of opening and closing channels on chain well he brought up the cost of the noddle as well um but we, we they sent us that for free so it would be unfair to include that uh but yeah i mean we have the on-chain fees we have the cost of the hardware uh whatever you're running it on right we have internet you have to pay for you have to pay for obviously electricity but that's minimal um yeah, and so it all comes out it all comes out negative. Now, the other thing I said, you know, it's first of all it's very early to make any kind of conclusions. Um I kind of disagree with Nick in a lot of ways that I don't think that people are going to be honestly reporting what kind of fees they make, so that just throws that whole thing out the window. And then the third thing is there's other benefits that are really hard to quantify in running your own full node. Right, like self sovereignty and being able to verify your own transactions and increased privacy. So if you're already running your own full node, you're so that you you know you just end up running a lightning node as well. That's kind of yeah. That's a hard seems to, like, that seems like a variable cost dependent on the individual. Yeah, it's hard and it's hard to put that cost totally on on running running a lightning node. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Um, that's, that was an interesting conversation. Maybe we'll link to that if we can find it. Uh, I'm sure we'll be able to. Well, so I recently discovered how to like adjust. I'm like just just learning on the fly. I, I discovered how to change the fees of the channels from the default because we were just running on the default for a while. So um, you're just gonna you you lowered our base fee. Right, so so like lightning, a, a light, yeah, lightning ten fees, mil satoshis or something like that. The way lightning fees work, so on chain transaction fees work by the size of the transaction in bytes, like how big a file it is. Um, the lightning transactions go by how much money you're sending, right? So there's a base, which is just automatic charge, and I think that defaults to one satoshi. So I turn. I changed, I lowered that to 0.1 Satoshi and then a hundred mil Satoshis. Yeah. So it makes super small payments like ultra cheap and it, like basically free. And if you're making big payments, it gives us a little bit more of a vig. So then, yeah, I changed the rate on the Satoshis per byte. Yeah. The, the, the variable rate. Mm -hmm. I raised that. But it, like not that much. I'm not. It's hard to visualize at those small numbers how low it is. So I'm I'm just, I'm just experimenting. I'm just gonna I'm gonna just keep changing it around. But it's always gonna be low for at least for now. Trial and error, baptism by fire. Baby. I mean, part of the reason why I think it's gonna be hard to make like reasonable, like extra reasonable returns on these things is because there's always just like some guy who is just doing it to you know like help the network or whatever who's just running big channels all over the place with very very low fees yeah the ultra yeah the altruistic uh node runner yeah it's super easy to undercut especially with like private channels and stuff then other people won't even see it yeah the private channel is more what i'm more worried about for developing these these uh statistics and, and rates and stuff well, you like you could that. be running tour nodes right like tour lightning nodes be running them You're by default gonna, mostly the, the people running like like if well oh yeah hopefully the majority of nodes will be running tour by default but uh you know then people aren't going to be honestly reporting their fees why would they do that yeah there's no incentive to except well, like the public if there's like publicly traded routing companies so then they have to so right? that's that's what i'm getting at is there'll be like uh, a two-tiered or a a bifurcated system of like an underground lightning network and an above ground kosher network. Well, that's like kind of like the, one of the reasons just jumping head first into, into like running this node because, um, I feel like you can't, like if you're not trying to not make that happen, then you can't really complain about it. <laughs> And I think once you have like reliable backups, like a lot of people will, I think a lot of people will, you know, prefer not to send it through, send their transaction through some major routing node. We're a major routing node now. No, I think we're like, uh, we're just, just like a nice, I don't know. Like the, it's like the anti, it's supposed to be like the anti routing node. Like it'd be nice if we could like, yeah, just like have a, uh, I've, I have, I didn't, I've closed any channels that Ellen Big has opened with me 
So I've I've just I'm disconnected from him. Your big Ellen big conspiracy. Yeah, we have huge channels with like Pierre. I don't know. It's just like the friend. I guess the friendly routing node. Yeah, like there's the friendly community routing node. Your local routing node. Yeah. Two freaks that you, you freaks know. At least we hope you know us a little bit by this point. We're here to help. I just want I I want the network to be as distributed as possible, like the least hub and spokey as possible. Yeah, it seems like it's getting easier to make that uh that uh envision reality a a real reality. Yeah, I mean I think the big thing is just like really reliable backups. Like once you can give people that you know peace of mind. Well. LND 0.60 took a big huge step, step in that direction. So yeah, huge uh, if you haven't upgraded yet, upgrade uh, in the GitHub release notes. Uh, they say it's highly encouraged uh, because... Um, you can't participate in the static channel backups. If yeah, you. due to the nature of some of the bug fixes which were made during the implementation of the new SCB feature, users are highly encouraged to upgrade to this new version. Uh, staying on Lightning, though, couple cool apps that we wanted to bring up ellen paywall link is the first one and this seems like a pretty simple thing you could put any any link behind a lightning network enabled paywall basically like a bitly but for for people who want to make satoshis on this yeah and it pops up a little lightning invoice and then your the visitor pays a lightning invoice they get redirected you get paid and the guy who runs this gets paid a bit so you could like paywall anything right yeah, but like once they get through, then they have like the regular link, right? It's still really cool. Yeah. I think it's a really I like simple tools, just like little things. It's a very cool, uh, it's a very cool proof of concept. Uh, we'll we'll definitely share it in the the show notes paywall dot link, and then the second one we want to highlight is Lightning Scratch Card. This one's really cool. Uh, so this is. Uh, not exactly the same idea, but what it is is you you pay micro payments to scratch off a piece of an article, uh, a bit at a time, and leaving the rest of it uh sort of redacted. It's like a communal paywall. Yeah, it's a communal paywall that you can pay. So like right now, I'm looking at uh an article that has only been twenty five percent revealed and starts it stops like three quarters of the way through the first paragraph. That's all I can read right now. But if I were to pay. 100 satoshis i'd be able to get a few more lines to read. you're not going to contribute and help help people read the rest uh no my node configuration right now is not, <laughs> is not ideal uh, i uh, i i i scratched off like half a paragraph of a different article the other day it's pretty cool it's like a it's an interesting idea for a paywall it's a very interesting idea because then everyone because once one person scratches then everyone can see that part that is now visible mm -hmm. you can yeah this is a very cool like gamified way of interacting with content and it's something that's only possible with like a with a with lightning, lightning. Yeah. yeah well uh, i mean yeah pretty much yeah yeah uh it could probably be enabled with other technologies in this space but the the fact that we have without having to do like kyc and everything yeah like you could probably yeah you could probably like integrate it with stripe something if you wanted to that'd be a pain in the ass um yeah so these things are getting built it's cool to see them uh we are building similar things uh that we're going to be we're going to be working on like similar content uh was that a little teaser gamify ideas as well a little teaser and both of these we open channels too so 
that that's like another reason that the note is really useful is because if if we talk about something then we we can open a channel to it ahead of time let's check the note right now channel count 207 207 channels open i think that's that's pretty high yeah it's i mean high. it's it's not pierre's node what's he at but so look up pierre's node type in uh power node users lightning power users is what the note is Oh, Pierre's got 1,220. Insane. <laughs> Holy crap, Insane. Pierre. He's been fighting the good fight. Shout out to Pierre. Um, what uh, What else have you learned managing our node? Anything Anything new from last week? No, it's it's been going great. It's uh, The noddle makes it extremely easy. Uh, staying on lightning a little bit, not directly involved but the hodl not btc pay fundraiser was run over the last week that was badass that was badass the website was badass but uh, it was all run through btc pay server run through btc pay server and it was very interactive so you could tell like it was you could tell in real time when people were donating and would show whether it was an on-chain transaction or a lightning network and the amount and the amount just came down in a ticker that was so fucking cool yeah it's uh it's crazy how, and again, like gamifying this stuff, like gamifying uh, a fundraiser for a defense fund. Uh, it was fun. It was like you know, it really. I donated through Jewel, and it like really, it clicked because you know, like you go there, you click donate, and then it just pops up right through your browser, and just makes the payment instant, and then you see it like pop up on the little ticker that everyone sees. Like that's pretty fucking cool. And the little bar moves. I guess global this is, payments. This is the themes. Uh, this is the theme of tonight's rabbit hole recap: is gamification from Satoshi's treasure uh, to the scratch off to this. Like, is this the way like we get Bitcoin to the masses? Is sort of gamifying all this stuff? Well, I like games, mm-hmm. so I'm fine with that. Is this for? Uh, I think it'll be effective. Is this going to be adopted by rich billionaires looking to stash their wealth, or people looking uh, to interact in? Uh, in a in a gamified world. I mean, I think it's already been gamified to many degrees. I mean, like you have the the whole trading element. Like we had what OK Casino, right? You know, you, we have Bitmex is like a straight. It's that that's like a video game. Like this is how it's all set up. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I was gonna say OK Casino. Bring me back to the OK Wood Chipper, uh, which also made me think of the article that Nick Carter dropped this week about uh, proof of solvency and. The 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 horrid uh, history of exchanges and proof of solvency. Yeah, and I think OKCoin specifically faked their proof of solvency, right? Yes, they did. Yeah. They deleted it. There's like a if we'll link to the next piece as well, but there's a laughable history of of exchanges saying that they would uh, provide proof of reserves, uh, and then either never following up, following up, uh, and only once and not repeating it, or uh, following up and completely fabricating it like OKCoin did. There's one exchange, uh, CoinFloor, out of UK that has produced 60 months in a row of uh, proof of reserves. But they're tiny little Yeah, exchange. they're a tiny little UK exchange. But They've been around for a while, I think. I 60 think months is five years. They've been around for at least five years. That's a pretty long time in this space. Providing proof of reserves every month. That's 2014. That's pretty long. Yeah. Um, so we have some unknown exchange leading the way on... Uh, on proof of reserves, which is something 
we probably don't talk about enough on this podcast is is something that is enabled with this technology that should be demanded by the market. Do you think so? Well, it's never really been possible before Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, I think now that it's possible that, yeah, it should be demanded. I mean, at least some, I'm surprised some services haven't risen to the occasion just to attract business. You know, like at least a couple of them should be doing full-blown badass proof of reserves. Yeah, and CoinFloor, if I went and read their, their monthly report, like it's very, very nice put together, very easy to read, and very step-by-step here. Here's the hash of what, what we prove we have. You can go double-check it, cross-reference it using these steps. And so it should be. like It should be like a monthly investor report. It should be at the bottom. Like, oh, by the way, here's our proof of reserves to make sure, give you some comfort that we actually had the money. That, uh, that we're saying you have uh, access and ownership of on our platform. But then, like, on the other side, like, they have all these, you know, USD and Euro liabilities and whatnot that they can't ever give you proof of reserves of that. So you're still, you know, the proof of reserves isn't a bulletproof. I guess, like, especially something like an ETF or something like that, proof of reserves is extra. I would say is like extra important, right? Because then they can give you the full 100% what you need to see. There's no fiat holdings on the side that that complicate the picture. Yeah. Because like an exchange could have full, they could have their full Bitcoin, li- you know, full everything they need for Bitcoin, the right amount of Bitcoin and have no no USD in their bank accounts. If they needed to, if there was like, if they were using proof of reserves, that's what they would have to do. Well, that's what Nick, that's what Nick brought up in, in his article as well. Like some of these exchanges too could easily game this by like buying Bitcoin, moving it to a wallet. Exactly. Like the day before or something like that. Something. And then it's the opposite effect because then the exchanges that are hurting and that are below the amount they should be at, they're like insolvent, um, put themselves in even more risky position by getting into like highly volatile Bitcoin instead of holding cash positions. Right. So that could even have like a knock on effect. It'd be worse. Yeah. But this is in the current paradigm we're living like in a, in a future hypothetical Bitcoinized world. Do you think, think it makes more sense? Yeah. I mean, there should be like proof of reserves for everything. Yeah. I was thinking, uh, yeah, and like proof of reserves and like multi-sig, just lots of multi-sigs with, you know, like when you enter different contracts and stuff, you'll have like a third party, uh, art, you know, just... Executor or something Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. Um, handling any disputes. And and not only will you have proof of reserves, you'll also have proof of no one party can move it. Yeah, slowly but surely. Slowly but surely, be aware. These things are coming. We're getting there quicker than, than that's what like I, I thought we were gonna get. In the Ben I wrote about I wrote yesterday, it's like Bitcoin's quickly becoming more uh, scalable, more efficient, more private, and more robust. Uh, another thing not on the list that that came out this week: Blockstream pushed an update for the satellite. It's now extremely more efficient for CPU on the CPU, or or less. Uh, burdensome on cpus so yeah, they're running it on the same chip now as the noddle yeah which is pretty cool yeah so it's it's just making it more accessible with with cheaper hardware 
so again, that's a it's a different transaction relay option to use as the satellite, and that's just getting easier to use now. Um, and it seems like everything's getting easier to use quicker. Uh, like the the Wasabi Trezor, like they were not even Trezor, just Wasabi hardware compatibility. I thought that would take a while to implement, but it seems like it's pretty easy. To, he kind of teased it on our show with us when he was on with us. Yeah. It's crazy to see that that exists. Sorry, it feels like just six months ago we were we were talking about testing out Wasabi, and it's already implemented. And yeah, some I mean of they're stuff. just fucking beasts over there. They're just fucking killing it all the time. Keep uh, killing it. Yeah, I mean that Wasabi news is it's just like such a big deal that I could tell people, you know, like buy a hardware wallet, use it with Wasabi. You know, have a full node, use it with Wasabi. Should be good for ninety nine percent of situations. Yeah. Uh, it's happening faster, faster than I expected. Uh, moving to the macro scene, to the geopolitical scene, seems like the U.S. has sanctioned uh, Cuba, Venezuela, and one other bank, I believe, Nicaragua. Nicaragua. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> with the a thousand dollar remittance cap every three months. So. No, no. So just Cuba has a remittance cap. Okay, just Cuba has a remittance. And cap. then they sanctioned the Central Bank of Venezuela. And then they sanctioned uh, financial services business in Nicaragua. Um, but the so the remittance cap is that's the big one. That's the big one, especially where Bitcoin's involved. Yeah. Um, so that's three billion dollars that Americans, at least in 2016, I imagine it's gone up. That Americans send back home to the Cuban relatives um, every year, three billion dollars, and now they're capped at a thousand dollars a month. Per thousand dollars every three months. Yeah, so thousand dollars a quarter, four thousand dollars a year. Uh, good math. <laughs> finally, some good math, <laughs> some easy math. Thank God. Uh, it's pretty, pretty fucked up. But again, it proves uh, uh, a hurdle through which Bitcoin can route around. Yeah, I mean, it's just like this is. It's kind of ridiculous that any given country can tell you that you can't send to like, like the European union and, uh, I've someone else, but the, the European union came out, you know, like they were like, this is ridiculous. It's like a horrible idea. They, they're not having any sanctions on their side. So Bitcoin can freely move in and out of the country through the other, you know, for arbitrage or whatnot. Now, and it highlights a very, hairy situation that we're finding ourselves in especially as the uh geopolitical landscape heats up and uh sort of tensions rise on the international stage once you have these sort of disagreements uh between like un countries nato countries when you're sanctioning stuff just inherent uh attack vectors for friction and and uh and tumult that bitcoin is sort of doesn't even have to worry about it's sort of completely separate and could provide the solution where people are like all right this stuff is getting to a point where it's unworkable it's too political it's too much of a bureaucracy bureaucracy excuse me that this just presents an easier uh less uh, system with less friction yeah i mean like at the end of the day like bitcoin makes these kind of rules unenforceable and that's why when people say like, oh, Bitcoin is too expensive, you know, it's too complicated, all these different things. 
like that's the cost for being able to send a payment, you know, back home to your family members when you otherwise wouldn't be able to. Like you're not going to be able to like send Ripple payments back to Cuba. You know, like that's because it's a centralized system. Like if people do that, like they will shut it down. Um, so, so like that's that it just highlights the value prop like so clearly. And then when you have like Venezuela's central bank getting sanctioned, like that highlights it from a completely different angle. Like this, you know, the Cuban um, story is 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 more about the individuals and people, but but the. Uh, in, in Venezuela, like the, the corrupt government over there is going to want to move more into Bitcoin because they're because their central bank is is sanctioned. Yeah. And speaking of. Not even corrupt governments, well, yeah, corrupt governments and sort of uh, countries with the ability to take big, bigger risks because of their current situations. We have not confirmed this. It's been hard to confirm. There was a news story about uh, meetings in the Middle East. It seems that Afghanistan and Tunisia are talking about exploring. Have you looked into that at all? I've looked into it. And like, so like there's one little blurb and I think it's not real. Yeah, it might. I haven't, I I didn't have a chance. I bet they said blockchain. So that's, here's the, it was a horrible source. It was news BTC, which no one should ever go to. I didn't go to news BTC. There was a, there was a, this was in Asia today. Oh, someone tagged us in a news BTC thing on Twitter. So I went to, I went to try to find like the, the, at least something closer to the source, Uh, Asia today. And Bitcoin was brought up, but so was blockchain and hyperledger. There's no way. Something could have been lost in translation, but at least they're talking about. Uh, I really I don't know I guess I don't know well if they let's this is this is a this is a risk it for the biscuit uh not full information call out here because hey if if Afghanistan is thinking about denominating some bonds and bitcoin <laughs> you heard it here first that's the <laughs> that'll be the real you know that'll be, <laughs> first of all I really don't think it's I don't think it's a true true story but yeah no, I think it's. I think the meetings definitely did happen, and the conversation was brought up. It's what are they trying to make a gov coin or no? They'll probably just do like a blockchain bond or something. Yeah. Whatever. It's just buzzwords. Buzzwords. All right. Sorry for that buzzword. I uh, think I, I haven't looked into it, so maybe you know. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's good. If I am right, you heard it here first. I think that'll be a game changer when you know Afghanistan starts issuing. That's when the world will start taking notice of Bitcoin. <laughs> um, this is something you want to talk about. There's a couple of apps in Europe. We've been obviously stacking sats on the weekend. Make sure if you're stacking sats, you're doing so in a very uh, OPSEC. Uh, stack sats responsibly. Yeah, stack sats responsibly. Don't flaunt big buys on Twitter, especially if you have a real name. Uh, but obviously, we've been stacking sats. And use Wasabi. Use Wasabi as well. We're U.S. citizens. We can only use certain apps. Uh, we've had... European freaks uh, join in our stacking sat Saturdays, uh, and we've seen two apps in particular: Get Bitter and Amber. And we're just, Amber's Australian. Amber's Australian. Get Bitter is is Europe and is Europe, yeah. France, I believe, or France is and England. So. Now that's separate, yeah. right? Yeah, I don't know. Have they officially exited yet? I mean, they're still part of Europe, right? I don't know. Even though they're not part of the Europe, it's all very confusing to me. No one will ever know. We'll never know. I heard they have to vote again, though. Yeah, so Get Bitter is a cool... It seems kind of cool, but but uh, I, I guess basically you give them an address, 
And then whenever you transfer money to them from your bank account, they just automatically put the deposit of Bitcoin in your address. So they're like non-custodial fiat to Bitcoin gateway. It's like an Azteca almost. I mean, but you're like sending them bank transfers. But if you do an automatic transfer, like you can basically every week just funds get deposited to an address of your choosing. It's kind of cool. That's very cool. But so I don't know if it's legit or not. So if any of you have used it, it doesn't allow Americans. So if any of you have used it, let us know if you hate it or you, or if you love it yeah. or if it's just kind of decent. Yeah. And then Amber just seems like a very... Amber looks badass. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, explain it. It's like, I think the app is called like Acorn in America. Yes. Where they like take your change and invest it for you. Like any purchase you make. If you have like a little spare left over to round up to the dollar, like they take that amount and they buy Bitcoin with it. Yeah. So like goes with the involuntary stacking stats. Like Ethos. Kind of, like, yeah, like constant small buys. Constant tithing. Uh, so any of you Australian freaks, if you're using that app or have used it, uh, let us know. Uh, we're We're trying to uh, expand the apps through which uh, you can... St- uh, stack sats because so. cash apps only us so only us yeah, and we have a global audience it's crazy so it's nice if we can leverage them too like that's awesome yeah so like tweet it at us maybe yeah, tweet it at us keep stacking sats but also stack responsibly that's uh, a couple weeks ago people were getting a little outlandish out there it's gonna be okay marty i hope so bitcoiners always get a little bit outlandish it's true comes with the territory yeah, um, that's all we got on the topics this week. Got a few minutes to riff. What uh, what are you thinking? Um, well, I have a couple of things to riff about this time since I didn't have riff. Matt riff brought notes. Last time. Matt brought notes. I guess it's not a riff if I if I brought notes. Um, so uh, we have. I have I got two more reports of people getting their KYC blocked at Binance. Uh, of not their K- K- getting their non KYC account locked and KYC forced on them, and so far like the common denominator is that everyone was using uh, just like a VPN service, like a shared VPN service. So I, I think they might be like flagging VPN IP, IP addresses. Yes, if you're trading shit coins on Binance, beware. Uh, they're tracking IP addresses. Yeah, I mean, they're obvious. Well, we always knew they were tracking IP addresses. That just should be expected. They're flagging IP addresses. But address. yeah, they're flagging them and forcing KYC. So if you have a non-KYC account with them, just, just to, I mean, and you should be using a VPN when you connect to their service, which is kind of um, ridiculous, but that they would flag them in the first place but if, if so if you do just you got to assume that you're going to have to give them kyc at some point or just forfeit your funds so just be aware be aware uh yeah i haven't had a phone for the last three days it's been pretty therapeutic let's riff on this i've gotten a lot more sleep not having a phone like next to your bed you haven't had a phone for three days three days that's pretty crazy like why uh like so you should get a new one I am trying to get a new one. I was telling you this before the podcast. You obviously weren't listening. Yeah, but you told me, but I did. You did not say three days. Three days is crazy. Three days. Yeah. Well, these telecom companies move at a snail's pace. Sprint's website is one of the worst websites I've ever used. 
and I just dox my my phone carrier. Now you got to change it. That's good because Sprint's fucking sucks. So you should change it. <laughs> but no, it's been terrible. I'm like, I mean, you're telling us how Sprint I'm almost sucks. ashamed to admit it. But I'm getting off the family pan now. Um, She's like kind of dox. I don't know. You're just doxing yourself left and right. Yeah. All right. Maybe I won't riff on this. <laughs> Long story short, it's pain in the ass to to get off the family plan. Start your your own plan and keep your number. Yeah, or just stay on the family plan forever. That'd be badass too. Yeah, it feels it feels dirty at this point. <laughs> you could always just like pay them under the table with Bitcoin. When you're a married man, I just think. just send you know just send your send your parents lightning payments for. You can give them a little bit extra too to make it worth their while. You just stay on it. I'm not sure if uh, lightning's at the point at which my parents are using it yet. <laughs> yeah, so just send them on chain payments. That's just true. That either. Um, so I also thought it was interesting just to get back to Bitcoin that uh, uh, Luke Martin interviewed Arthur Hayes recently. Oh, yes. And he's and, talking about SPX swaps, right? Uh, yes, he is. He is talking about, you know, being able to trade basically uh, equities. Yeah. But yeah, like derivatives of them or whatever. Um, but he also reiterated their firm stance against KYC. So they don't accept U.S. customers, but there's no he like re reiterated like how important it was that they that they don't do KYC. And I just thought in dichotomy to like how CZ and Binance is currently handling um, their well, KYC procedure. That's that's pretty interesting. Well, this is what you said last week towards the end of the episode is any exchange like every exchange their their way to. Uh, get market shares to come in, be anti-KYC, AML, allow people to just rush on, and eventually they get too big to not KYC, and they wind up doing it. But right. BitMEX is arguably one of the biggest economic drivers in Bitcoin and is still a stalwart in denying that. And uh, um, on my blank, and Arthur, Arthur Hayes like reiterates that last week as CZ's coming out and be like, yeah, we sort of have to comply now. Like is Arthur Hayes the most badass CEO in the world right now? I I yeah I'm I'm a I'm a huge fan. I think he's just it it's like just even from where they they set their principles like in the right place to begin with because they have the whole business is run through Bitcoin. They have no fiat, you know, entrances or exits. They have no altcoins. They allow you to trade altcoins. They only accept and withdraw Bitcoin. Everything is just priced and based in Bitcoin. Like that is from a security point of view um, and from like a regulatory arbitrage point of view, it gives you like super, you know, movement there. Big long time thinkers there. Long term thinkers. Uh, And their research page, BitMEX Research, is one of the best blogs in the space from from a technical perspective. Yeah, they just put out like how much miners have lost mining a Bitcoin SV, Bitcoin Cash SV. I think it was five million dollars since inception. Five point four million dollars, yeah. and they're just susceptible to attack at any given time. And, and yep. so they've just been that just useless security. And it seems like they're uh, they're not going to be traded on many exchanges for much longer. Either. Yes, they did get delisted. CZ dropped the hammer on them. Um, Political you know, play. I have a lot of complaints about CZ, but he's also just, he just does what he wants to do. That was pretty, like, why would they, 
like Kraken also delisted after that. And they were like, people were giving uh, Jesse Powell shit about it. And he was like, they're suing us. They're like, they're fucking suing them over the handling of the checkpoint, Bitcoin Cash's checkpoint, um, which also, you know, but they're, they're suing them over that. And he's like, well, you expect me to list your coin while you're fucking suing me? Yeah. Yeah. Don't bite the hand that feeds. Yeah. So then Bitcoin Cash exchanges feed you liquidity. But we've said for a while that all these guys were like, it's all trending to zero. This just. Just look at the people the who are involved, freaks. They are just like just from a pure character analysis. They are terrible people. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, yeah, I guess it's a questionable argument, but. Is it though? Yeah, because you, but I still, the fork is is a minority fork. It's worthless. It's centralized. It provides no value whatsoever, and it's also, you know, controlled by some very horrible people. Yes, this is true. All right, we're four minutes above our one hour time. Thanks for joining us this week, freaks. Matt, any last words? Stay humble, stack sets. Peace and love.